This podcast has been brought to you with the support of Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. With a Wise account, you can send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Whether you're traveling through Asia, freelancing in France, or buying that dream property in Oz, Wise is the easy way to connect all your finances internationally. You can even send money home to mum in minutes. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com. Kia ora, I'm Katie Harris. It's February 5th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Dancing, DJs and day drinking, a classic summer festival combo. But hand in hand with the music and partying comes a lesser known festival favourite, Waste. Be it beer cans, empty chip bottles, or portaloos, events have a habit of creating waste and in some cases, leaving the whenua in a bad state. This was laid bare last month when dozens of tents and piles of garbage were abandoned at the Northern Base Festival. Today on the front page, Josh Brownlow from Clean Event joins us to discuss how festivals can become more sustainable and how Kiwi event waste management measures up to our European counterparts. Just to get started, how did you first get into this space, working at festivals, managing waste, looking at sustainability? So when I came out of school, I thought that a good option was to go into learning about computers and tech because I was living in Dublin, which is a bit of a tech haven. But I found it was very difficult and uh, took a lot of effort to pass the exams and all that. So I decided to drop out and go on some adventures. And on these adventures, uh, I was in Canada Uh, more specifically British Columbia, and kind of for the fun with a few mates had um, just worked casually picking up rubbish at festivals. The classic way to get a free ticket at a festival sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the intention was really mostly for the fun of it, hanging out with mates also who were travelling from Ireland and, yeah, seeing what we could get up to. But I really liked the company there, which was called Clean It Events, Um, similar model to what I'm working with now in New Zealand. And basically, I just asked the boss, who was a great guy, if I stuck around, would he um, have me? And so we did. And I learned all about, yeah, the ins and outs. I guess they were the main guys in Vancouver, which is a big enough city. Um, so early on, I was able to learn how to manage crews and manage events in terms of um, cleaning up, leaving no trace, keeping them, making them cleaner than they were before the event even happened. That was kind of our goal. And also um, some sorting rubbish with the staff, um, which was a bit, where I'm from in Ireland, like, not really talked about too much, um, not really... Like recycling and see Yeah, like, it's more sent to the big facilities, um, whereas, yeah, here and in Canada, they were a little bit ahead. Ireland's catching up now, which is cool, but it gave me a good head start. And onwards from there was working in and out of events, doing kind of whatever job I could find. It wasn't just rubbish-related until I came to New Zealand for more adventures and uh, cleaned up Rhythm and Vines kind of straight off the bat. And that was a that was back um, the very end of 2018, gone into 2019. Um, so that was obviously a big job because Iron Visa, big festival. So, yeah, I learned a huge amount from that, a bit of a baptism of fire, and kind of decided through a couple more different jobs here and there, but that led me into, like, sticking to, to rubbish for better or for worse. And I'm still here four years later. 
types of events are incredibly wasteful. They pop up for three to four days and then all this will probably end up in landfill. Can you give us an idea on what the main contributors are to the rubbish bin? at festivals, what's causing all this waste? Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. There definitely is a lot of waste, and I think more than people actually can imagine. Sometimes I feel a bit misunderstood on that. It's like, what is all this stuff? Where is it coming from? Like, yeah, actually, there's heaps and heaps and heaps. Um, So it's good to try and understand that first. I think abstractly, like, the attitude of the organisers and the the behaviour and attitude of the attendees as well, like, what do they want from their experience, you know, and what's the organisers trying to give as well? Typically, with clean event, I'm cleaning concerts and festivals, like not just camping festivals, but there's stadiums and parks around Auckland or in different cities. So it's all different types. So there is a big contributing factor is the attitude of the stakeholders who's involved, you know, and who's organising it. What do they want? And the people, what do they want when they're when they're going to it? And then more or less abstractly, you know, what's in the bins. A lot of rubbish comes from building them, the festivals or the events. A lot of rubbish comes from taking it down and packing it all up. There's a lot from people consuming mostly food and beverage. That's the main one for when you're enjoying yourself. It's drinks and some food. And then there'll also be like, if there's camping, absolutely, that'd be the, the main thing where like all the the mass tonnage is coming from. People leaving things behind, camping equipment. And then finally, um, maybe something people aren't always aware of is like the external parts of the events. People going to the event. So the CO2 emissions from like the cars and the planes? Well, there's that in terms of emissions and sustainability on that point of view. But if I'm just speaking about rubbish, I was thinking more about like people coming to the event and drinking on the way, stopping at a park on the way and, and drinking there, which happens quite a lot. And a large part of our job is to keep an eye on the external parts of the events and then also the car parks. So people just arriving with everything and before they go into the event, whatever they're doing in there, definitely creates a big mess. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, outside of a waste view, but CO2, absolutely the main thing by far is travel to events, um, which is contributing to CO2 emissions from the event. So that's everybody down to the attendees, all the equipment and the staging and the PA, all of the staff, all of the performers traveling from overseas. So that's a huge one in terms of emissions. Do you know, I never would have thought of the equipment and the decorations of festivals as being waste because you do go to festivals sometimes and there's these elaborate signs mm. and designs and huge structures. Yeah. Do they all get thrown out? Yeah, so there's always a pressure from everybody who's creating something to keep things fresh each year, each event, you know, keeping it exciting for everybody who's involved. So a lot of it does get thrown out. There's plenty of great people out there who are, A, designing things better, that they can be reused, that they can be repurposed, or B, gathering things, salvaging things and doing that themselves, repurposing it themselves, trying to find, you know, the places where these things become useless and connect them to somewhere where they can be useful, which is always a really nice activity and can bring a lot of community spirit to the event or the situation. Because if there's a whole group of people moving to one area just for a month to build an event and to have an event, that area can benefit off it for the rest of the year, basically, you know which is a a very positive side of things. You mentioned what stakeholders want before. And I want to ask, you know, in your years of working in this space, have you noticed changes in what they're asking for and are 
organisers and people involved in running and operating festivals asking for more sustainable practices? And is that being implemented? Yeah, so 100% there's a, a lot more talk about it. I'd say from my experience and perspective, mainly kind of since COVID. So that was obviously a massive period for the events industry as a whole because all of a sudden events were illegal. You couldn't have them at all. And usually people who work in events are, you know, quite manic, um, busy people, like to keep their brains active. When it was just a big stop, it was, I think, a moment of, like for everybody else, but if we if we zone in on events, it was a moment of like, okay, what, what have we been doing? And you know, what's actually been going on because we've just been moving at a, a million miles an hour for since we started. You know, I've been in the industry for eight years or seven years. I could say the same, except for that couple of years in COVID, I was at home and it gave me a chance to really think about everything. Whereas I've cleaned up events now, you know, we got good at cleaning up events, but now to think about what am I cleaning up? Like, where is it all coming from? So I like to think a lot of people went down these types of trains of thought. So yes, since COVID, lots more initiatives, lots more money being spent on it, lots more emphasis on the whole topic. However, it's kind of like a catch-22 because of a sustainability runs through environmental, economic and social. So economically, it's been very difficult for the events industry too because they couldn't make any money for a long time. And yeah, there was subsidies and grants, but they've really been trying to you know, make up for that. So while there is a lot of talk, there's also the limiting factors of the economic situation. So it can be hard to take an emphasis off of sales, you know, getting everybody in, like trying to sell them things on site, alcohol and whatever it is that people like to do at events. And also coming at a sustainability ac- angle, because often those things are directly correlated, like the more economic activity that you push for, the more emissions and rubbish uh, that there's going to be. So there's a lot of talk about it. And there are many, many people developing fantastic things but I do find that there's like a underlying limitation that's there. Is there like a gold standard in how to operate a sustainable festival? Because off the top of my head, I'm thinking of things you could do. Say, mm. for example, have reusable cups that people use and maybe instead of selling individual cans of beer, you buy big barrels or mm. I don't know where beer comes from. I don't drink beer. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. like maybe you have very sturdy tents on site that the festival itself may mm. own and then pack down and reuse every year. Yeah. And people have to bust to the festival. Those are the things I can think of. But they're costly. And I can also think of, like, I would like to have reusable cups. But a lot of people at festivals, you're prioritising other things often Mm. when you're at a festival that are not sustainability. Yeah, so basically everything you listed there is is a really good example. Um, So well done. Those are the types of things that are being paid attention to. Basically, all of these initiatives come at a cost to the event. And if these initiatives are adopted and developed and connected to by the audiences and taken seriously. And they're not just a fringe, you know, 10% of this event or festival took a bus. Like, it's more like 60 or 70%. That's when you start to see the costs coming down. But it it is a bit of a risk because you can't guarantee that's going to happen. But it is, I suppose, the hope and the belief that we're running with because the other option is to just keep doing things the way we've been doing and that's not really working either. So what you mentioned is probably the main sticking point, like cost and also... Do attendees want to get involved in these things? To be honest, if I'm just talking from my own perspective, I'm always amazed at how much people connect to initiatives that have been involved in or, or learnt about in other countries or whatever. Like, if you think of, an, of a festival experience, like, you're going there with your mates, you're realistically, if it's music and all that, you're going to have a party and you're going to 
be dancing around and consuming alcohol, beverages, food, etc. And that's kind of the long and short of it. Like there can be more to it. And if the attendees are offered other things to connect to while they're there, like learning about the festival site itself. Is there a heritage there? Is there a history there? Learning about how it is benefiting the community, which perhaps doesn't have a whole lot of economic activity otherwise outside of the festival. Then the attendees might have more of a motivation to be involved in the festival. And maybe this is a weird cynic viewpoint, but not just numb themselves with alcohol and like party into the night and then wake up feeling like they can't even remember what happened and that they just want to go home. But they can have more of a like, we're here, we are involved and whatever you guys are doing, we're, we're keen to get on board with it because we have the capacity mentally to think about that. Based on last year, three to 500 tents will be left behind, which is a problem for organisers. We donate them where we can. Volunteers are letting campers know how it works. At the end of your stay, the tents are still usable. Then there's collection points over here. And tagging the gear people aren't planning to take home. I think it's a good idea. It's nice to go to a festival and then be able to still give back. Give tents away to people who need them more than what we do. We're only using them for one time. I saw a story over summer about a festival up north mm. and a lot of the attendees there had abandoned their tents, yeah. abandoned a lot of their camping equipment and it kind of just looked very raggedy and it was quite sad. Yeah. And it reminded me of an experience at a different festival I went to a year ago where people were encouraged to reduce, reuse, recycle, carpool. It was really great sustainability mm. and initiatives and bring reusable plates and it did have a real community feel. That festival was a lot smaller though. Is it a size issue in terms of when a festival is smaller, perhaps people feel more ownership and more connected mm. versus, say, one of the big festivals maybe don't feel as uh, responsible for the mess just because there's so many people? Yeah, I think it's easier to develop out these initiatives or ways of thinking at smaller festivals, but I don't think that size is the limiting factor. Um, I'd say the reason why there's an option to just walk away is because of like it's real cheap from the warehouse and you can pick up your festival starter pack you know with the, <laughs> the tents and sleeping bags and your your fanny pack or whatever your bucket hat and they don't have to cost you more than a few dollars each up to 20 or 30 dollars for a tent so you do have the option to walk away from it because yeah financially it works out for you whereas in the past you wouldn't have had that option because things are were built maybe more to last and they were a bit more expensive and I guess the cheaper items make things more accessible for everybody. Everybody can afford these things so that they can go and have that festival experience, which is a good thing. But then on the other hand, the attendees who are uh, leaving behind this equipment, they now have the option to do that because of, yeah, I'm happy enough with naming names of the warehouse. And I'm not even from here, but I think Kmart. Um, yeah, like they're just selling, uh, as far as I'm concerned, maybe again, it's Cynic's view, but they're just selling rubbish. Like, you know, they're just making money by selling rubbish and... That's what it's designed for, is to be used once or twice. Um, so that's not really helping anything. So I, don't, I wouldn't be pointing the finger at the attendees. Sure, they should probably be trying a bit harder and all that, but I think they would if they didn't have the option. And so do you think it's possible for festivals and events to be sustainable in the future? Like, is this a reasonable possibility, or do we just have to bite the bullet and accept the fact that there's going to be a, a heck load of waste? Yeah, so I think just back to the very beginning of, of what I mentioned around those, like, 
organizer and attendee expectations and why are we doing this in the whole first place? I think that's what is the main tipping point or point of influence. If we can look at that question and that's where I see real development in a sustainability space for the industry. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> um, and it does have to come both at top level and ground level up as well, which it is in fairness to a lot of people. But again, there's still the option to do things conveniently and cheaply. And I think as long as that option is, you know, at a price point, cheaper, um, more accessible, it'll probably continue. There's also things like government policies and local councils coming in and taking measures. And those are absolutely working in a lot of spaces and they're forcing organisers, suppliers, attendees to really think about what they're doing and uh, trying to improve the situation. So it's definitely a slow game. Patience is the, the key for it. I often got frustrated when I was younger and first learning about all these things. But now, yes, I, I believe that there is a, a definite path forward, but it, it probably needs some serious conversations from higher level people like it councils, governments and major organisers, promoters. If you could say one thing to festival attendees, mm. one thing for them to remember next yeah, time they yeah. are dancing the night away yeah, yeah. at a festival <laughs> in the realm of the waste and sustainability yeah, yeah. space, what would that be? I've got this perfect at the tip of my tongue. <laughs> There's one sentence. Bring less, use the bins and bring your stuff home. Fabulous. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us, Josh. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Ethan Sills. Paddy Fox is the sound engineer. I'm Katie Harris. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts and tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.